This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We hunker down with topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636 and our esteemed panel that includes, as per usual, Mike Van Solen, principal at Navigator. How's Mike? Great to be here, John. Doing fantastic. Good to have you here. I appreciate it. Kim Wright, principal at Wright Strategies. How's Kim? It's a little gloomy outside, but it's uh, nice and awesome in here. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Too early, too early. It's too oh, is early. It, is it too early? <laughs> November 12th, you can do all the Christmas you want. Oh, is that what it is? Because I noticed that they've already got Christmas ads going on TV. So it's like right after Halloween, boom, they don't wait. Yeah, but that's... Noma lights, all these people. Because you got to get everything set. But, you know, I'm a believer that... After Remembrance Day, then you can start to, you know, put out the decor. I get that's a little controversial. I grew up outside of Windsor, so I'm usually at American Thanksgiving, but I'll certainly not before the 12th of November. That's great. Uh, and Mitzi Hunter is with us as well. Finance critic think, for the I just audience. have to say, I don't think she liked your singing there, John. Oh, is that what that I was? I loved your singing. <laughs> okay. I'd uh, probably like it more if there was eggnog. But, you know, you and John legend. Yeah, I am a legend. Uh, all right. Let's get around to uh, some topics actually worthy of discussion. Uh Mitzi Hunter, the finance critic for the Ontario Liberal Party, has joined the panel this afternoon. Mitzi, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for coming in. You're still planning to run for the leadership, aren't you? I'm absolutely running for the leadership of the Ontario Liberal Party. Okay, so let me ask you this, because uh, another member of the party who's planning to run, Michael Coteau, has come out, and he said some things, you know, uh, most of the stuff is boilerplate, you know, I'm sad to say, but uh, he did mention he'd like to see the voting age lowered to 16. Is that a good or a bad idea? Well, you know, John, I debated this idea in the legislature when Marie-France Lalonde, our former colleague, Mm -hmm. um, who just won her seat uh, federally in Orleans, uh, she she had tabled um, a, a bill on democratic renewal, which included lowering the voting age. And that was something that I stood up in the House. It's on record to support because we have to find a way to get more young people interested in politics and in voting. And it's a way to uh, to do that is to, to give them the, what about the right civics to vote. classes in grade 11. That would be about the cohort. Yeah, as former minister of education, you know, I support civics classes at the same time. Um, you know, giving our young people that right. Because what happens is that, you know, they transition quite early at 17 to university. They may scatter across the province, the country, or elsewhere in the world. And and sometimes they lose that opportunity to register to vote and to vote. So I support lowering the age at minimum. Having them register while they are 16 would be a way to make sure that they, they had that right. All right. So not necessarily voting at 16, but just registering. Registering would go a long way. An interim step. Getting, it's an interim step. It gets them organized, gets them thinking about voting. They know they have the ability to do that as soon as they turn 18. Mike Van Solen, I mean, are 16-year-olds invested enough in the system to be given the vote, the franchise? I don't think so. I think we need to keep it at 18, and I think there's a, a bunch of reasons to do that. And, and to be really honest and upfront about it, I think the first part is is we know that, uh, you know, young young voters are really progressive. You know, they're, they're, they're NDP, and that's just sort of the way, or, or liberal or, or green, and that's just where your orientation is at that age. You know, Winston Churchill said something like, you know, if you're not a, a socialist at 20, you're heartless, and if you're not a conservative by the time you're 40, you're a fool. Um, so I just think there's a little reality here that progressive uh, parties are more interested in, in lowering the age than conservative parties are. Uh, but I think there's other ways to get people involved in voting. I, I think it really is important. Just the people who are eligible today, I think have, we have to do a better job of making sure that they see the efficacy of getting out and voting. 
Um, I love what Student Vote is doing. I have a 15-year-old daughter uh, at high school, and she was involved, and so all her classmates participated in that, and it gave her a real flavor for the election. You know, she was excited to come and tell me about the results and how they voted, and uh, you, you mentioned civics classes. But these are the type of things we need to do so that when people hit 18, when people hit adulthood, uh, they have the tools to participate in democracy and hopefully get out and vote. All right, so uh, Mike thinks it's a vote grab on the part of the progressive parties. Uh, so obviously, I'm guessing... And Kim, you would favor it then. So look, there are a lot of conservatives who I know that are youth wing advocates and have been involved in campaigns. Oh, look, I started in politics. I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was 19, I was running campaigns. Uh, I think it's important to get people involved early because then they... they but not voting, a, voting, but voting, but, but voting as well, even at 16. I mean, you're, you're driving, you're seeing your community, you're engaged in your community. You're, you're in grade 11. You're st- <laughs> uh, in yeah, fact, yeah. there are a lot of people I know who are grade 11 students are probably more engaged in their community than most quote-unquote adults. Wow. And I think that's a that's an extraordinary thing. And the more you can keep them engaged and have those outcomes that they can start to see that they're not only their opinions matter, uh, but they actually can do things like vote. And these things are critical. And I, I've seen so many not only advocacy campaigns, charitable campaigns, community building efforts that are run by these quote-unquote teenagers that are extraordinary measures. So it isn't about whether or not they're progressive or conservative or anywhere in between. Yeah, but historically, I think it really who, is about our community. Who has the lowest, lowest voter turnout as a cohort? Well, by the time they get to 18, they're off doing university. It hasn't been ingrained into them to go then mm. take that extra step to vote because they've been sort of pushed aside well, they've been trying to do this community building stuff. So it's actually a bit counterintuitive to say, no, you're too young to do this, but we want you to do all these other well, community building We haven't building lowered things. the drinking age to 16, so uh, why necessarily lower the voting age? I think there's an interim step. I'm, Mitzi, I can probably go along at the most with what you're suggesting as registering, get, you know, sort of grease the skids, but a full-on vote. And so this is something, Michael Cotto, you think he's hiving off you because you sort of set uh, the table for him? Well, I, I mean, I, I know that he's aware that uh, we support this. We supported Marie-France's bill, and, um, you know, he's certainly including that as something he wants to see in the leadership. Um, that's fine. You know, I, I know that that's something that I support. Student vote as Minister of Education was something that I mm-hmm. uh, wanted to see an increased um, uh, participation, actually, to get, get it out to all all students so that they participate in that. Because, you know, our democracy uh, is only as good as participation and getting young people involved in our democracy is something that we should be doing. And, um, you know, having 16-year-olds um, or 17 year olds participate in the right mm-hmm. to vote is you know when we changed um the the cohort uh we we canceled grade 13 and we moved to grade 12 we probably should have lowered it then yeah boy a lot of people are still quizzical about whether that was a good move or not you got 17 year olds going to university and uh, many are real prepared emotionally and so on and so forth have, not have believe- you met some of the 30 year olds that are still emotionally ill prepared for some things in life yeah look let's be let's- perma, permafrost they're in uh, universities <laughs> for nine ten years they still living with their parents i get it it's arrested development it's endemic to but, this generation but there are lots of opportunities for people to become involved and stay involved and uh-huh. i think voting is one of those things that if we always say to people 
you know, it is it is the way for your voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. Why would we keep that away from people? Because hey, I think I think you you are you are a case study in this. I mean, you got involved in politics when you were thirteen. Uh, the, the voting age was the same as it was today. Uh, you found lots of ways to get involved. Uh, you talk about young people who are involved in the community, and I agree, love it. Um, I just think we need to focus on the people who have the voting, uh, r- the right to vote today, if, 18 if plus, tr- and give, give them the tools to participate. Get get our participation rates up from where they are today, right. and let's focus I, oh, on that. The I'm, bell I'm, is on, because sure. I was going to say you should talk to these students and see how engaged they are, how informed they are, how much they care. And they have a lot of other responsibilities across society. They pay taxes. They want, they, there's, they're very, oh, a 10 year old buying a popsicle pays, pays taxes. taxes. Look, but, they're driving but, on our but roads. If they, they have oh, lots to say if about they it. Work, <laughs> they work, they pay um, income tax. So, you know, giving them that right to vote is is not as risky as we think. I don't. I don't think it's risky. I mean, we don't even have eighteen year olds uh, voting in in real strong numbers. So I'm not sure how it will change too much. I'm just have the view. Let's focus on the democracy we have. The people who have the franchise today. Let's let's uh, increase our participation rates um, before we start. And this is one start, way to do it. I, I'm not convinced it is. I, I th- you know I I just think we need. There's a lot of great ways to, for people to get involved, and there's a lot of things that we can do as society to make. Uh, the vote more important to the people who already have it today, 18 plus. Let me ask, Mitzi, uh, you were the Minister of Education. There's a, a lot of animus towards the Ford government from the teachers' unions. And uh, QP just settled, by the way, the uh, support workers, their uh, 55,000 members voted 79% in favor of taking the 1% cap on wages and uh, I guess benefits. So uh, when Doug Ford says he's going to hold the public sector right across the board to a 1% increase, uh, the Elementary Teachers Federation, as well as Secondary Teachers Federation, are going to challenge this. They think it's a charter challenge waiting to happen. If you were still the education minister, how would this have been eliminated or at least avoided? I just think the um, Premier Ford's, the way that he's leading his government, uh, which is so combative, combative to unions, is just not setting up a good tone. Uh, I can see that, uh, you know, certainly the no board has uh, been triggered today uh, with the elementary teachers and um, and so it's just a three-week clock now that that's running running 17 down days, right. 17 days exactly at the same time it seems like this government is really jamming through the bill 124 um, they you know cut off debate uh, last Thursday and and in fact had the vote on Thursday night uh, to push through that legislation so in, how, how would so, you have reconciled it with the teachers unions I mean they've always been belligerent even going back to the bob ray days doesn't matter the stripe of government but the liberals get accused of pretty much folding in the face of any union opposition whereas the ford government's not so what would your technique be then well i don't think the unions would always say that we folded in the face of their opposition it's it's Union negotiations are tough. Uh, they're there to represent their members. And, you know, everyone has to think about the broader interests, which is how is this beneficial for students? 
When I debated on Bill 124, one of the things I cautioned is, yes, we have a charter and a constitutional right to collective bargaining that we have to respect. And by imposing a cap um, preemptively, you are really taking away that ability, even though the, the legislation goes into detail about not doing that. But if you've already decided what the wages are before they even start, you, you effectively have taken away that right. And uh, second of all, it's, you know, why not sit down with your workers and talk about how you can improve the system? Why, you know, create an environment in which you're not talking to each other and you're just imposing caps? How is that good for the system? And because there's more to the education system than just how much we pay teachers. It's about what happens in the classroom. It's about the, the, the type of work that is being done that makes sure that our students are learning uh, what they need to be learning in a modern education system. Well, the argument goes that, uh, again, because they were left with such a deficit, even though they're claiming on Wednesday they're going to come in and uh, less than uh, a deficit less than expected, ten point mm-hmm. three billion was stated. They think they're going to be uh, coming, and part of that is premised on the fact that they've got to hold public sector wages to one percent across the board. To Mitzi's point, is that uh, in defiance of a chartered right or a challenge, or do you think even uh, if it comes to it, push comes to shove? Invoke the notwithstanding clause. How do you see it, Mike Manson? <laughs> uh, look, I hope they don't have to do that. And I, I can't quite predict how, how the courts would rule on this. But it seems clear to me that the government, in the, in the spirit of fiscal prudence, needs to say, and it's only fair to the unions to say, we have to hold our costs at this level. This is where we're at. We're still going to collectively bargain. We're still going to work out a deal that's best for students. We're going to think about the different other, other resources we can put into the education system to help. Um, it seems to me that Minister Lecce has uh, been nothing but positive and, 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 and optimistic in his language and narrative around this. So any suggestion that the Ontario government has been bu- uh, bullies on, on this, I think, is misplaced. Uh, I think the reality, that, the reality is this is a government that is, is bringing in austerity where it's needed. And in, I think the unions are trying to leverage that idea that some fiscal restraint is coming in place as being their way to leverage the government to try to get a better deal. Uh, I think it's only fair to say to the unions, this is what we have, this is what the, this is what the increase could look like, but let's sit down and let's talk it through and see how we get a good deal done. Look, if if any of these uh, folks were actually serious, and Mitzi, with all due respect to you and your government and uh, the 15 years you were in power, none of you actually touched the funding formula, which actually the Liberals got elected on in, in 2003, was to change one of their promises was to change the funding formula in the education system to actually account for not only students and how they learn, but all of the other things that make a learning environment, uh, not just reading, writing, and arithmetic, but all the rest of it, computer science, art. Uh, gym, physical education, all of those things that make a whole student and then using uh, schools as community hubs uh, to make sure that there is lifelong learning opportunities and also community engagement opportunities to get some of those kids uh, who might be just wandering around looking for something to do, uh, give them give them actual things to do. Uh, you know, all of these things, how do you look at, edu- at the entirety and the totality of the education system does not happen because, oh, well, that gets a little ugly. You know what? Governing is choosing. Life is hard. and But this whole negotiation back and forth of, oh, well, we'll get to it next time. Eventually, we run out of next times because, frankly, a generation of kids have been failed by lack of changes to the funding formula model. 
Well, I absolutely don't agree with that. I, Shocking. I, you know, the, the NDP <laughs> wants us to stop everything and open up the funding formula and, and nothing like progresses while, while that's happening. And, and that's just not the reality. The reality is that there is a, a, a rolling review of the funding formula each and every year. A section of it is reviewed and everyone has an opportunity to input into that. We consult with all of the education partners in the review of that funding formula and it happens on a continuous basis um, and all of the things that you're mentioning in terms of arts um, stem so science technology engineering and math all of those things were touched on while i was education minister in fact well-being was a component that we looked at um, in terms of how we strengthen well-being in schools so so that is happening and um, you know the the the, the credit that you're giving uh, the Ford government uh, in terms of not being a bully for education, I just I could just see all of the education um, workers, the, the teachers, the EAs just, you know, throwing up their hands because, you know, there's been nothing but chaos. When you announce in the spring to, that you're going to increase class sizes to 28, uh, what resulted was that a lot of grades 10, 11, and 12 students didn't get to pick their courses that, that are required to get them into their university courses courses including physics and STEM. including physics and, that's, and, STEM. and that's a big problem. so that's a chaos that we don't need yeah, but we, the chaos can I, also present itself by way of a strike when you got a no board report in 17 days parents now have to brace for a walkout and disruption to their kids lives because the unions want to be belligerent and john it didn't help though that the one of the first things that the conservative government did when they came into office when they cut the carbon tax was actually take millions and millions and millions out of the school system, both in their state of good repair budget, but also in uh, in, in in the overall education system. And that's never been it wasn't figured wasn't intended out. for that. It was supposed to be it for was, green initiatives which entirely. Which is actually entirely about state of good repair of those schools, which are crumbling because well, they were basically... That, but you're talking about the other parts. But, let, let me just take you, a hiatus. Take I take it out to... of the education budget writ large, it has to come out of somewhere, including right. salaries. So Spending the, is up. Right. Spending is up, actually. But uh, do you know what? Well, per pupil spending is down. So let's make sure we keep our eye on what's happening in the classroom. Spending and, doubled under your government. And the results was that we, had, we had 18% more students graduating each year uh -oh. than when we took over from Mike Harris Well, government. in fairness, okay. you mandated that because they couldn't actually not drop out of school. That was actually part of one of the things All they right. did. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.